0: From the Carter's Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim.
1: Welcome back to the show. Let me get my headphones on here so I can hear you guys. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jake Scoreheim, your host. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I got Lisa Brooks here. I got Matt Butler here. Welcome, you guys. Audi. Yo. Audi like that. This is News Roundup. Yep, hoping to hear that music. Cowboy term. Yeah. The News Roundup is a fun thing that we do every day at this time. We like to look back on all the other shows, and Matt, who really does the Lord's work, he goes back and he listens to every other show. That's like one, two, three, four other shows times three. That's 12 hours of That's radio. That's a lot of listening. Yeah, he does a lot of listening. He is uh, what we refer to in the business as a P1. That's a person who's listening all the time. Matt listens to 12 hours, and he boils each of their three-hour shows down to their best minute and 50 seconds, about. um, Which he's able to do flawlessly every day, so good job, Matt. Before we get to those clips, though, we do a trivia thing every day. Early in the show, in the first segment of the show, I like to play you a completely random, out-of-context clip from a movie, and then I ask you guys to take guesses at it. A lot of people got this one. This was pretty easy. Matt got it immediately off the air, he told me. And Lisa... Now I'm going to give you a chance.
2: Okay. Haven't heard it yet.
1: Here it is. (laughs) Man, you are one pathetic loser. (laughs) What do you think? Uh, Hangover. Do you really not know what this is? I, I. Are you just being funny?
2: I. I have no idea. Come on, Lisa. You it's all know. It's this guy movie. No, you know. This is a guy movie.
1: Do you know how many women listen to our show?
2: I don't care. I mean, I'm listen. These all your clips are guy listen, clips. Listen, we're very
1: we're very popular with women.
2: I'm sure you are. Play a, a clip of by, a certain from, age. From a chick we're very clip. popular
1: with women of a certain age, and they know these movies really well. And they text us What's and they say, the "We movie? love these movies." I don't know this one. I'm going to play it for you one more time. I Just listen to the voice, try to pick out the actor, and then narrow it down. Think about it. All right, here it is one more time. <laughs> Man,
0: you are one pathetic loser.
2: <laughs> is that Chris Farley? No. I don't know. It's Jim, Jim Carrey. Carey. Matt, oh. tell her who it is.
0: It's Dumb and Dumber.
2: Dumb and Dumber. I never saw that one. What? I never saw it. You never saw Dumb and Dumber? I never did.
1: Do you guys want to hear a fun story about Dumb and Dumber? This is just a little yeah, yeah. side note. All right, so- It's a really good movie. You should watch it. It's really, really funny. Fairly Brothers, super funny. It co-stars. Who's the co-star in the movie? What's his name again? It's uh, Jeff. Jim Carrey. No, Jeff. uh, Oh. uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff. Jeff. Uh, Jeff something. He was in. uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Is that it? Is it Jeff Bridges? I don't know. No, it's not Jeff Bridges. He was in. um, Hang on. A bunch of stuff. (laughs) What is it?
2: Is it the guy with the weird nose?
1: No, he's not got a weird nose. He's got a very fine nose. He lives in Minnesota. He's just like a oh, super boy. nice people down-to-earth guy. People are screaming guy. at
2: their radios I know right they now. Jeff
1: <laughs> Daniels? Jeff Daniels. Oh, That's it. Jeff okay, Daniels. Okay. Yeah, Jeff Daniels. So Jeff Daniels and, uh, and uh, Jim Carrey are going to be in this movie, right? Jim Carrey is – Jeff Daniels signs on for the movie. I think he only made – I think he's talked about this in some uh, interviews before. And so don't quote me on this, but I think it's close to it. I think he only made like – A very low amount of money for that movie, like very low amount of money, like like tens of thousands of dollars or something, just did not get paid a ton. Jim Carrey also was an untested comedic guy at the time, and he wasn't going to get paid a ton, and the producers were taking forever. In Hollywood, it takes months, sometimes even longer than that, many, 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 many months to dot all the I's and cross all the T's in these contracts, and they go back and forth. With all these notes, all the lawyers go back and forth forever and ever, and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So Jim Carrey, as this contract is going back and forth, they've offered him the movie role. He's he's decided he's going to do it. They're going to pay him a certain amount of money. Not a ton, but more than Jeff—what's his name? What's his Daniels. name? Daniels. Daniels. Jeff Daniels. But while Jim Carrey is waiting for this contract to get signed— He has a little movie come out called Ace Ventura Pet Detective, Uh oh. (laughs) which was a complete like X factor. They didn't know if it was going to work. They didn't know if it was going to be popular and it ends up being like the number one movie Mm -hmm. in the world. It's like just a massive, massive hit. And so overnight, the producers who originally thought they were going to get him for like 500 grand or something like that, then they offered him again. They're like, all right, how about a million? They're like, nope. How about 2 million? Nope. What about, like, and they they went up, and he ended up making millions and millions of dollars on Dumb and Dumber, a movie that he would have accepted for way cheaper had they just, like, ironed out that contract way faster. But he just got lucky. The timing. I mean, timing yeah. is everything. And he got lucky that he had Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, in the hopper, and he was lucky that he was ahead. That was a big deal.
2: And poor Jeff Daniels didn't make more because of it.
1: Well, no, Jeff Daniels didn't make more because okay. he was now just fortunate to be in a movie yeah. with a guy who was a massive superstar. So okay. they're not going to pay Jeff Daniels more. I think they... I don't even want to say what they paid him because it's kind of it's a very low amount. I don't want to make him sound bad. But it was a great movie. You should watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. And once you've watched it, why don't you come back here and we can have a little conversation? Okay. You could do like a movie review of Dumb and Dumb of a 20, 30 year old movie. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That'd be fun. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, Seattle's Morning News segment producer. Oh, they forgot about that. Sorry. Do it for Lisa. Thank you. Gene Autry. Good guy. Seattle's Morning News. segment producer Paul Holden reflects on what makes a house a home. This sounds nice.
3: I went to a house party this weekend, and I thought to myself, man, this is really cool. I know that's a simple way to start this, but it was so exciting to go into a home that had the space for its tenants to be themselves and a space that they had created for themselves and their friends. This house was in Ballard and is one of three houses that still remain standing among a sea of apartment buildings. And while it's important for us to build necessary housing for the growing population here, big apartments, to me, can only have so much character. The house I visited oozed character. The family room had a big screen TV with a dartboard next to it, the paddle boards stacked slightly behind, all across the walls, posters from concerts, the retro advertisements, you name it. Plenty of other knickknacks across this really, honestly, surprising space in Ballard. A massive record and tape collection took over most of the dining room area. And all the analog recording equipment my friend uses to create his albums were stashed away. Give or take a couple of guitars and pieces of a drum kit. The room made peaceful by a roaring fire in the fireplace. Walking to the backyard of the house, I was greeted with an actual fully functioning half pipe. You know, the ones you find at skate parks or on extreme sports TV shows. What about the rain, you might ask? Wouldn't that ruin the halfpipe? My friends and his roommates engineered a tarp system, complete with gutters that keeps the spot dry. A rarity for Seattle skaters. I bring this house up because it's a reminder of how important our home can be. And that when given the opportunity, we should do what it takes to make our home feel like a unique space. It's a reminder that the characters of the homes and the people inhabiting them bring us a sense of community, a sense of belonging. That sometimes gets lost among the towering sprawls of cityscapes in downtown areas. It was a reminder of how lucky I am to have a place to call
1: home. Do you guys remember your first... Apartment or the first place that you lived outside of your parents' house, like the first place you really felt like was kind of your own space. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Can
1: yeah. you give us a little description of what that looked like?
2: It was a an older house that had been divided into apartments. I think there were three apartments in the building. It was on a main street in town. And in what town was this? Was Harrisburg, this... Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, okay. Yeah, it was on Route 22 near downtown Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, in the progressive neighborhood and uh, near progress. And they kept the full big kitchen in my apartment. So it was a huge kitchen.
1: That's cool. With
2: a teeny, teeny, itty bitty living room and an itty bitty <laughs> bedroom and a terrible bathroom.
1: But it was all yours, just but just my, your place. My, my
2: twin sister and I oh, okay. rented it together. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
1: And like, can you just put yourself back there if you wanted to? Yeah. Just like it made such an impression on you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Especially that kitchen. It was big and light and beautiful. I loved it.
0: Oh, that's fun, Matt. How about you? Do you remember your first place? Oh yeah, it was in Grove, Oklahoma. This building had been turned into apartments, but it used to be an old office building. And apparently, what they rented to me was the super-sized version of a janitor's closet. Oh. <laughs> Sounds classy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful. Um, so there was, there's was enough room for a bed and a desk, and basically that was it. Now, they'd put enough room in it where they did have a bathroom and a small shower had a sink. But they crammed all this in there. There was not a lot of decorating or collecting that could be done in this place. It was a, it was a closet. So after I got done working my shifts at the radio station, I could come home, shower and sleep, and get up and do it again the but next you day. Lo- you loved it. I'm sure you thought it was so cool. No. Oh, it was right. still, well, a, still an awful place. small. <laughs> to each his own.
2: Um,
1: I remember my first place. I'm not counting the places I lived in college. So that was kind of like student housing and dorms and stuff like that. But when I uh, got my first place, I was living with three guys that I met on Craigslist. I answered a Craigslist ad.
2: Oh, you didn't even know them?
1: I didn't even know them. Oh, wow. just I was just like, I needed a place. The commute was killing me, and I needed to be closer down to Seattle. And so I found this these three guys who were living in Green Lake- and the house seemed really cool, and but I had to do this like whole interview process with them because they want to make sure I wasn't a weirdo. Cause you just never know. It's the internet, right? People are weird, and so I interviewed with them, and then they ended up being my absolute best friends. Like I'm still, I still cool. text with these guys all the time. Uh, they're the godfather of, you know, two of them are the godfathers of my uh, uh, first son, wow. and it's like it's a really cool friendship. But the place that we had was really neat because it was built in the 1960s. This old house is still there. It's in Green Lake. It's right across the street from the lake and like wow. you just can't get stuff like that anymore. But because there was four of us, we could afford this, you know, which back then was probably only like I think it was, I think our rent for the entire place was like maybe 2300 bucks a month and it had four bedrooms and one bath and a massive kitchen, like massive massive kitchen, four tiny little like shoebox bedrooms, but that was fine, just big enough for like a full bed and your clothes. And the main living area, though, was really great because we had a, um, you know, because we're four guys, we had a projection, like a projector (laughs) that we hung up. And so in a living room that's probably, like, half the size of the studio, half the living room was a screen. Wow. And then we had, like, we had three couches which made a horseshoe shape where we would just all be able to stretch out and then just play Xbox all the time. And so it was just, like, this really fun time— and, uh, you know, I look back on that. I could just, like, close my eyes and put myself back in that place. Even though I was only there for, like, a couple years, it made such an impression on me because, you know, it's your first place. So very interesting, nice. Paul Holden. Nice job. All right. G and Ursula rewinding a few days with Angela when she was there. They are talking about high schools are considering body cams for sporting officials. Is this a good idea? I assume this has to do with, like,
0: reviewing plays, things like that? Uh, no. It, you'll find out. when. All you right.
1: Tell us about it. How about
3: body cameras on high school referees? According to a report in the Tacoma News Tribune, there's a strong possibility that will happen when two rivals play each other tonight. Gig Harbor
1: versus Peninsula. Any of my brothers and sisters listening from over there that know about this, please text in because I need to talk to y'all.
4: I want some context.
1: There are, and again, this is the other day. This is not tonight. This is the other day
3: a number of new measures in place to keep things civil and safe. A little history on these issues here. There were allegations of racial slurs, fans not being allowed in the stands. At a football game, five coaches got in trouble for their behavior before and after the game. For the games tonight, two police officers will be there. Staff members plan to be embedded in the crowd, and officials, the referees,
4: could be wearing body cameras. Angela? Apparently, this is, they reported that this is a phenomenon, according to the Tacoma News Tribune, that is happening, that refs are starting, some of them are starting to wear these cameras. Oh, my goodness. Well, tell you what, before we debate this, Chef, can you give a little background on this rivalry? Like, what? what what's the history of this?
2: I mean, I don't know the whole history. Uh, I remember the fishbowl fishbowl incident was in it was crazy i mean people were talking about like assault charges for a high school athlete who allegedly did a really dirty hit on the quarterback one of the it's been going on for a long time it's nasty
4: yeah you know i think the body camera thing is a great idea especially if a ref finds themselves in a situation that does get out of hand like some kind of fight or whatever and you need some kind of evidence that you didn't do any like it could be protective for them i'm thinking about it from that standpoint
1: what do you guys think body cams high school football games doesn't any sport i guess not just
0: football Sadly I think yes. I mean we've had an escalation and you know any any kind of circumstance you can think of whether it's school board, high school athletics, there are certain people out there that are just out of control and you need to be able to protect yourself and show these incidents. I hate that it's come to this, but I think it's probably a good idea at this point.
2: I just think this is sad, and I'm against it.
0: I'm against it too. I, just I don't think,
2: like it. How much surveillance do we need? And I know that it's an awful situation, and I'm not condoning the situation, but no, but it's not new either. No, like these have they
1: they they figured out how to deal with this long before they have the technology to deal with, to have cameras film yeah. everything.
2: I think so.
0: Yeah. I just think they can figure it out. It has been sadly escalating though lately. There have been more and more of these incidents in recent times. It's like post COVID people are just more nasty by and large, which is sad.
1: I. I got to say, I don't know that I necessarily agree with you on that. I think I think there might be more reporting of incidents, but I think this has been happening
0: all the time, forever. Well, no, I don't deny that it's been happening. I'm just saying that whether it's through we're just becoming more aware or whether statistically there are actually more incidents, we're more aware of more of the times it happens. Yeah, yeah. Which but, is sad.
2: At what point do we foot, put our foot down and say— Surveillance has gone too far. Well, here's the thing about that. I think that, it's gone though. too far already.
0: Everybody at that game that has a smartphone, right? I mean, when you're in a public venue like that, I understand the privacy concerns, but I don't necessarily assume that when I'm out in public, I have a right to privacy. That's my thing. Uh, well, we can disagree on
1: this. That's fine. I just, I agree with you, Lisa. I think the uh, the public. Um, I'm not sorry, not public. The the uh, uh, filming of everything, having everything, be every everything everything on my phone is now asking me to opt in or opt out of surveillance it's just getting creepy and it's seeming it's very futuristic and weird and i don't know how i feel about it but it does I mean, feel i mean i know weird. how i feel about it I it does like feel
0: it. weird but just to be out and consciously realize that anybody even just taking a picture of something could get you in their picture unbeknownst to you it's like yeah everybody's got a surveillance device on them now.
2: But because everybody has a smartphone, I don't think we need to have the body cams on the rest. because somebody's going to stand up and take video of it. And if something egregious happens, perhaps it'll get out that way.
0: I got you.
1: All right, Jack and Spike, there are 25-second edits of Sopranos episodes trending on TikTok. Could this tie into the creator's comments about the golden age of TV
2: being
0: over? Yeah, the other day, the creator of The Sopranos basically said, the golden age of TV is over. You can't come to the, the... The money people with anything of complexity because they keep saying, "Okay, this is too complex. This is too artsy. Keep dumbing it down." So he said, "You know, when the Sopranos were around, Mad Men shows like that, we had a golden age. And in our, you know, attention deficit society, we're not going to have that again." Well, people are so split now with their
1: attention. Not only are they like watching a screen on, you know, maybe they're watching Netflix or Sopranos or whatever they're watching. They're also checking their phone, so their attention is divided in so many different ways. Their viewing habits have changed so dramatically. Let's hear Jack and Spike talk about this. Do we have time to play this? So The
3: Sopranos is on TikTok, which is weird because people have been editing these clips down. Now, The Sopranos episode is about 50 minutes to an hour long. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. And it's the 25-year anniversary of The Sopranos coming up. I can't believe it's been that long. And people keep cutting these episodes up into 25-second episode edits. Mm-hmm. Spike can't stop watching them. I don't know why you just don't crack open your DVD set and just watch the episode yourself. Well, it's it's funny you mention that because as I stroll through different feeds and you get lost in that you know wormhole of, of looking on social media feeds like TikTok or Reels, whichever one it is, um, when you get a 25-second bite of Sopranos, it's everything you want. You don't have to sit through a whole hour. I can I can get all the joy of watching Meadow tell Tony about how Coco flirted and insulted her at a restaurant, and he goes and curb stomps the guy in 25 seconds. Why would I waste a whole hour just to get that little miss, juicy you're going to
2: miss Edie Falco. You're going to miss all that other, uh, you know what I mean?
1: Microphone, there it is. Did you guys watch Sopranos? No. Did you watch it, Matt?
0: No, but it's on my to-watch list because I know it's one of those essential shows that everybody talks about. So
1: Dory's favorite show of all time that he talked about all the time was Sopranos, and he just loved it. So he tried to get me to watch it for years and years and years, and I would never watch it. I was just like, ah, that's that's old, too, because it started in the early 90s, right? Isn't that what Sopranos started? I think so. It's a very good show James Gandolfini It's phenomenal Everybody
2: I know Who's seen it Loves it It's so good
1: Yeah so I finally Watched it Although I did Something weird And I don't know Why I did this But I watched All of it it Up until uh, The last two episodes Oh, And I have not Finished the last two episodes Because for whatever reason I feel like that's Kind of closing a door On a series That I, I really did enjoy A ton It's really really good So I have not watched The final two episodes There you go Great theme music too so I assume I, I know what happens in the end because Dory told me about it many many times but I still have that there if I ever want to finish it so I'm excited to finish it someday but I don't know when that's going to be that's kind of sweet yeah I don't know It's have you guys ever done that with a show where you've like not finished it on purpose because you didn't want to close that door
2: no no I watch Mad Men all the way through or like a times, book
1: a sorry. book that you love reading yeah. and so you like drag it out yeah yeah I've done that yeah, yeah. alright uh, this was News Roundup a lot of fun Matt thanks for finding this theme song we got a lot more coming up on the show, including next, we're going to talk to Kate Stone about a lawsuit into that flight that had to make an emergency landing when part of it just started falling off in midair. Sounds like a pretty good lawsuit to me. We're going to have that when we come back here on Cairo Nights.
3: You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake
1: Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special guest with us. Cairo News Reporter Kate Stone joins us. Kate, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Jake.
1: All right, let's talk about this Alaska Airlines this flight. We right. have an update. If if anybody doesn't remember, they just didn't see the news, or they're under a rock. In the past, sometime in the past month, Alaska Airlines was flying a flight from where did they take off from? Portland. It was from Portland
4: to Ontario, California. To on,
1: on its way to Ontario, California yes. at sixteen thousand feet. Yep. A plug, which was covering a door, an emergency exit door, fell off in midair. Yep. And then we have viral videos that the entire world has seen yes. a million times. Yes. Everybody was fine, thank mm-hmm. God. There was nobody sitting in that aisle. A shirt, was, a shirt was ripped off the kid in front of the aisle.
4: The NTSB says it was pretty incredible that no one was hurt.
1: Unbelievable. It, so that they so Alaska successfully lands the plane. They did. Although everybody's kind of traumatized, I would imagine. Indeed. Because you've now flown on a plane that kind of started ripping apart in midair. And now we're starting to see some lawsuits?
4: Yes. So there have been lawsuits filed against Boeing, which is not exactly a surprise because Boeing's CEO has come out and admitted that they made a mistake and that they are going to be fully transparent with the investigation. However... Today's update is that one of the lawsuits, which is from a Seattle-based firm that is representing 17 of the passengers so far, is now adding Alaska Airlines to that lawsuit. And this firm is actually called Strittmatter Kessler Kohler Moore. And so their attorney, Dan Lawrence, said, initially, we held our fire on Alaska Airlines because there appears to be no direct evidence that it actually handled the door panel that flew off of the flight. However, there's been some new information that has come to light in the past week or so that has sort of changed a little bit of their perspective.
1: Our passengers and most people talking about this case that I've talked to are extremely concerned about is the fact that Alaska even allowed this aircraft to fly in the first place. Apparently, uh, as we all, most of us now know, the uh, auto pressure system gave a warning light. It is, as the NTSB has explained, a
2: triple
4: redundant system. So it turns out that the NTSB has found or confirmed that the plane in question actually triggered pressure warning lights multiple times in the days before the blowout. Oh, really? Call it. Yes. And now the NTSB chair did stress that that could be totally unrelated. But according to this lawsuit, that's pretty small comfort because according to Lawrence and his clients... You know, it can't be said necessarily if those alerts may have had something to do with what eventually happened a couple of days later. And the passengers, actually, we got we got to hear from a couple of them today. Susanna Anderson was one of those who was on that flight, and she said it was an extremely traumatizing experience, naturally. You know the look um, when you're not going to make it. Or a person is not going to make it. She was watching the flight attendant struggling to close this cockpit door. And she's worked in healthcare and in emergency rooms. And she said she could just feel, you know, that this was not going to end well. Garrett Cunningham was actually she was in the front. But Garrett Cunningham was actually close enough to see the gaping hole in this plane.
0: My brain couldn't compute what I was looking at. It just it just did not make any sense. The fact that part of the plane was gone quickly after that, um, the oxygen masks had dropped. So I've got that to my to my face. I don't really feel the oxygen coming in.
4: So that's another thing that we've learned is that apparently, according to this complaint, some passengers said that the oxygen masks were not working, which was a problem because the plane completely depressurized and sucked most of the oxygen out of the plane, which caused some people to feel like they were going to pass out. Luckily, again, no serious injuries from this, but Uh, The emotional trauma, Susanna says, is something that she will not get over very soon. My husband and a few other people I could not get through to. And I know that that was one of my um, biggest thoughts was the grief that I wouldn't get to say goodbye. She got kind of emotional as she talked about sending a text to her son saying he was the best thing that's ever happened in her life. And she said he did respond. But it just it kind of generates. And I hate saying this, that the memories of the people on the planes with you know, 9-11 and that kind of stuff And just thinking in that moment that you know you are not going to make it Yeah,
1: when you're thinking this could be it Right, exactly And if that, if that situation was avoidable
4: Exactly Then
1: they, it seems to me they have a pretty good case
4: So that's the new development Is essentially they are saying that Alaska Airlines This complaint is saying that Alaska Airlines was aware of potential issues with the Boeing MAX 9s Especially given that Boeing has had its own share of troubles Especially with MAX planes in the past couple of years There's been a couple of deadly crashes, not in the U.S., but hundreds of people have died on the MAX 8s. This is a MAX 9, so it's one generation later. But now this one, they've been finding loose bolts uh, after inspecting the United and Alaska planes after this incident. Alaska Airlines just announced today they're going to continue grounding their planes until at least through Saturday, and they will only put them back into service when they are confident that... You know, things are going to go okay. The CEO of Alaska has said they're putting their own quality inspectors into the Boeing factory to ensure that, you know, something like this will not happen again. But the 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 attorneys behind this lawsuit are essentially saying that that's not enough because what they said and what the passengers said is when they got on the ground, no one was there to greet them. And Susanna said what? Susanna said that she had no idea what was going on, so she went to uh, the customer or the desk to talk to an agent, and they looked confused and pointed her at a customer service location. And immediately, like a line formed of 150 people and who she were on said, that flight. Yeah, and she said that yeah nobody came to meet the plane. Passengers deplaned, and they just they looked at the hole that was in the plane and. There wasn't really a lot of response from the airline. This is what they're claiming.
1: So their allegations just feels like Alaska was completely unprepared for this, obviously. Nobody's Correct. prepared for this. But they did not do anything, it seems. But they to say, these people. yeah,
4: in the days following, Alaska Airlines has offered them fifteen hundred dollars in counseling sessions as compensation, compensation for their experience. Uh, But, I mean, the NTSB chair has come out and said if this were 10 minutes later into the flight or a few thousand feet higher, I mean, people could have gotten sucked out of the aircraft. They would have taken their seatbelts off. Like, at cruising altitude, it's hard to say what depressurizing a cabin would do. And so, essentially, what the attorneys are saying, what the passengers are saying is $1,500, that's how much you value my life? And they're saying it's not enough.
1: Also, also, you know... They were, I mean, in many ways, they're very unlucky, but they were extremely lucky for many reasons. Oh One, very the much plane so. the plane was able to land to, like you just mentioned that they weren't at such a high altitude. If they had been any higher, not to mention just the air getting sucked out just from the 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 greater intensity of pressure, but also the temperature could very, have gone down to like so. just nothing very, very right. quickly. People have frozen to death when yes. planes depressurize at right. the, at a really high altitude. There's like famous stories about planes. They call them ghost planes. Right. And they continue flying because everybody on the plane has frozen to death right. or suffocated. Mm-hmm. It is a very scary situation. Very scary. So for these folks, I completely – I would be – I if I was a passenger on this plane, right. I'd be jumping right over to this law firm.
4: And to be clear – uh, they were very, very grateful to the crew who managed we, to get them down yeah. on the ground safely. And the
1: crew is not Alaska exactly. bosses, and they're of not the people not. who are responsible for building the planes. They're doing the best that they can with the equipment.
4: Right. And they and did a good job. this suit is... Seeking undisclosed damages. However, according to Garrett Cunningham, he says it's not about money. He says, my whole thing is Alaska, Boeing, whomever, need to understand how important this was. It's only by the grace of God I'm still here because 10 minutes later I wouldn't be here. So knowing that they were aware that something was going on, that awareness needs to be out there. He says they need to be held accountable if it is, in fact, something that they knew might have been a problem and chose not to do anything about and the biggest piece of evidence that they have for that is that alaska after those warning lights were triggered chose not to fly the plane over the ocean in case something happened and they needed to get it to an airport that
1: does not make me feel super confident
4: alaska airlines refused to comment because they said they don't comment on pending litigation so that's no answers there
1: doesn't make me feel great about my future flights Uh, Well, Kate Stone, keep us up to date. This is an incredible story.
4: Yeah, it is. It is incredible that everyone is still able to talk about
1: it. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, my gosh. This is so interesting. All right. Well, that's Kate Stone, Cairo News Radio reporter. And we will be right back here on Cairo Nights.
0: You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome
1: back to Kyra Nights. I'm Jake Skorheim, your host. Hope you guys are having a wonderful night. We talked about something a little bit earlier that I had to get off my chest. I don't know if you've heard about this. This is not good news for you if you are a fan of churros. I was in line at Costco the other day and I'm checking out. I'm getting something, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I'm getting milk, eggs, whatever the junk you buy at Costco. I'm buying all the stuff. My kids aren't there. I'm thinking to myself, hey, you know what? The kids aren't here. They're not going to be begging me for some, uh, some of the ice cream. I'm going to treat myself because I've just done this chore of getting stuff done at Costco. The truth is I actually like going to Costco. It's really fun. I like walking through the aisles. I like seeing what's new. It reminds me that uh, there's fun new seasons ahead. Right now there's a bunch of summer stuff out there. I get really excited about that. I like Costco. It's one of my favorite places in the world to go. So this is not a complaint against Costco. It is a complaint against their choice of what to stock in their cafe. So I look over as I'm standing at the checkout line. I'm just about ready to pay. And I notice, I keep like dodging my head to the right. Just like I keep uh, uh, rubbernecking, whatever you call that. Looking over towards the cafe. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to order one of those delicious churros. Twisted churro. It's 50 can Can't beat it. Best thing on the menu. Aside from the hot dog and the pizza. Those are also very good. And I'm waiting for my churro. And I look over there and they don't have it. And in its place is a cookie, a Massive chocolate chip cookie. Massive chocolate chip cookie. Matt, do I have audio here? Here it is. Look at that,
4: Look at that cookie. Did you really think that this group of women was going to finish that cookie? I never got a chance
2: to try that cookie. Ooh, delicious. Ooh, delicious.
1: That's from uh, Bridesmaids. That's a hilarious movie. It's a great scene. But it emphasizes the point. Who wants a cookie? I don't. I don't want a chocolate chip cookie. I mean, I love them. Chocolate chip cookies from Costco are great. They have the sampler pack. The uh, raisin ones are really particularly good. The oatmeal raisin. I don't know what they put in them. Oatmeal and raisins and something else. Probably just butter and fat and salt. They're really, really good. Don't get me wrong. I like them. Do I want a $2.50 chocolate chip cookie from Costco? No. That's not what I want. It's not what I'm dreaming of. I can get that anywhere. I can already get it from Costco, actually. It's not $2.50, but it comes in a 12-pack. They're really good. But what I want from the cafe is I want a churro, a twisted churro. And if my audience is representative of everybody else out there, which I think they are, they also want the churros back. What's the deal, Costco?
0: Bring them back. Matt, what do you think about these churros? You've never had them. No, but I do love a good churro, so I'm taking people's word that this was probably one of the best ones in existence, and now I won't get to experience this. It makes me sad.
1: The truth is that the churros are not like, you don't find churros everywhere. You can get them at Disneyland, somebody pointed out, which I fully know. Every time I've ever been to Disneyland. They're good, though, but they're really good. Everything in Disneyland is expensive. But you go to Disneyland, they have little churro carts. You can walk around and hit those up. Those are unbelievably delicious. They're so great. There's like a little, um, little, I don't know what it is inside. It's like a little custardy. It's like a hot cinnamon custard inside a churro. I don't know what. Yeah, it's a filling. It's so good, though. It's like butter and salt and fat and cinnamon and... I don't know what else it is. I'm trying to come up with it, but I can't figure it out. But it's so good. And now you can't get them at Costco anymore because now they just have a cookie. It's $2.49 if you're interested. It's a dollar more than the Twisted Churro was. It's massive. It's huge. It's got two kinds of chocolate chips. Big deal. I don't care. <laughs> I can make those at home. I can make those at home. I can get them at Costco. Bring the Churro back. Costco, please, please bring the Churro back. This is my request to you. Please, I hope somebody in Costco corporate, out of Issaquah, since we're hometown, hears this. Listen to my plea. Don't let this fall on deaf ears. Please, bring the churro back. I would appreciate it. And if you don't, I'm not buying that cookie. I'm not. (laughs) Forget it. not going to do it. All right. Uh, We got a lot more coming up on the show. It's not just all going to be churro stuff. I promise. In fact, I won't even mention churros again for the rest of the show we'll talk about it with people in the text line. If they want to text me about how, how much they love it, I'm happy to reciprocate. Alright, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Kyra Nights.